0: Five, four, three, two, one, lift off. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time.
1: Base here. The has landed.
0: Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. That's
1: one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. I face the intervention. On January 27th, 2015, and that is get help for your drinking or you're losing your career, you're losing your family, you're losing everything. So I chose Doré, and that was getting into recovery because I was tired of fighting. I thought there had to be a better life than what I was living, uh, suffering from an addiction to alcohol. And it wasn't until, you're right, it's funny you say a journey because it is a journey. And it was about four or five months into sobriety where I, kind of came out of that alcoholic fog it usually takes 90 days and kind of realized i got a lot of other things going on upstairs that have nothing to do with booze.
0: welcome to sports and more thanks very much for downloading this podcast i really appreciate it uh, if you like what you hear subscribe and please leave a review i uh, got a great show for you today Great interview uh, with Rod Peterson of The Rod Peterson Show. For 20 years, he was the voice of the Riders, and for a lot of that time, he struggled uh, with alcohol abuse and has now um, journey to sobriety and is now helping others. So we're going to yeah, preview the CFL playoffs with Rod. We're going to take a look at some uh, NHL and we're also going to talk about his journey to sobriety and, and how it's continuing with other people. So looking forward to bringing you that interview in just a second. Our top three today is the top three play-by-play calls of all time. Kevin Harland, uh, I'm not sure if you, um, know who Kevin Harlan is, but he is uh, the best, in my opinion, uh, when it comes to entertaining play-by-play calls. Uh, Here is uh, the call of Kevin Harlan last night on the Monday night football game uh, when a cat ran on the field.
1: He's walking to the three. He's at the two. And the cat is in the CDW red zone. CD... W People who get it now, a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. And the cat is elusive, kind of like Barkley and Elliott. But he didn't know where to go. Look, at they're trying to corner him, and they got him in the end zone. There are state troopers all around this cat, which now climbs up into the stands. And the fans are running for their line. Now it goes back on the field again, and it's running in the back of the end zone. And it runs up the tunnel.
0: So there it is. Uh, Apparently, there's these feral cats uh, that live underneath uh, the stadium in New York. And uh, I don't know. Kevin Harlan works at a sponsor into that. You know, the, the, the streaker call from a few years ago. You remember this one?
1: Hey, somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat
0: So in honor of that, I went with the top three play-by-play calls of all time. Um, Any sport. Uh, I went with uh, Joe Starkey. The band is on the field from 1982. Ball comes loose and the Bears have to get out of bounds.
1: Rogers along the sideline, another one. They're still in deep trouble at midfield. They tried to do a couple of... The ball is
0: still loose as they get it to Rogers. They give it back now to the third. He's going to go the end He's to be on the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. Oh, my God. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart-rending, exciting, thrilling finish in the history of college football. All right, there's Joe Starkey, 1982, Cal Stanford. The band is on the field, and uh, the video of that is awesome. So if you have never seen that, you should definitely check it out number two for me the legendary bob cole o2 olympics joe sakic trying to hang on and get a break it's gonna Canada to stand up and cheer. Stand up and cheer, everybody. The Olympics, Salt Lake City, 2002 Men's Ice
1: Hockey Gold Medal, Canada.
0: So there's Bob Cole from the Olympics in 02, uh, Joe sakic and then the countdown to uh, the first. Uh, Gold medal in 50 years for our country. And uh, number one, if you know me, you know what's coming. I'm taking you back uh, to 1988. Oilers win the Cup. Dodgers win the World Series thanks to Kirk Gibson's home run in game one and the beautiful sounds of Vin Scully describing it.
1: The demands until he was physically unable to start tonight with two bad legs the bad left hamstring and the swollen right knee. Sacks waiting on deck, but the game right now is at the plate. High
0: fly ball into right field. She is gone.
1: In a year. So improbable, the impossible has happened.
0: The great thing about that clip is I I had to shorten that for time, but Vin Scully lets the crowd breathe, lets the moment evolve for over a minute. Bob Cole was great about that too. The great ones know it's all about timing with them. They're not worried about coming up the, with this really clever, catchphrase which you know, I'm not I'm not saying those are bad. I love when guys get creative with that. Uh, but the great ones just know about timing when to talk and when to let it breathe. So there you go. That's my top three. Um you can send me yours as well at Duck Millard on Twitter or you can send us a text to Sports and More at one seven eight oh eight oh three one triple five. That's seven eight oh eight oh three one triple five you can find us on instagram at sports and more podcast facebook at sports and more 35 if you'd like to email us it's sports and more pod at gmail.com and uh, check out the website sportsandmore.ca uh, you can find everything under podcast alley at that address you can check out the prospects baseball show uh, we talked expansion teams Uh, this past week we talked to the gm and president of baseball operations with the new sylvan lake expansion team and uh, you can also check out the cannabis 101 podcast all right before we get to rod peterson just want to remind you that up for grabs on this episode is a gift card from Acme Meat Market. You can go and say hi to Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton at 9570 76th Avenue, and check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. Acme Meat Market since 1921, and know that when you get something from Corey the Butcher, that is his uh, Twitter handle, by the way, you're getting it from one of Canada's top butchers, recently named to Team Canada. For the World Butchers Challenge in September 2020. Be listening when I ask Rod Peterson who his all time favorite Regina Pat is. And if you get that answer, send me an email sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That's sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. And you could be going home with a gift card uh, from Acme a Meat Market. All right, uh, we're going to talk to Rod about the changing media landscape, a CFL playoff preview, some NHL talk, and his journey to sobriety. Let's find out a little bit about his past with the bio. Time for the bio. Rod Peterson was born and raised in Milestone, Saskatchewan, about a half hour south of Regina. He moved to Calgary to attend Mount Royal College and enrolled in the broadcasting course. He started his career in 1988 in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, then became the youngest WHL play-by-play guy in 1993 when he headed north to Prince Albert and called Raider Games. Two years later, he moved closer to home as the voice of the Regina Pats. In 1999, he took over the play-by-play duties for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, a title he held for 20 years. He's written two books and now hosts a two-hour daily sports talk show on various platforms called The Rod Peterson Show. Really pleased to have uh, Rod Peterson on with me now from The Rod Peterson Show. Um, I, I spoke with Rod on Sports & More Live a couple of weeks ago when the outdoor game was in Regina and uh, wanted to do a bit more of a long form uh, interview uh, with the guy that I've uh, really enjoyed uh, getting to know from my uh, time in uh, Regina and uh, beyond. So Rod, thanks very much for uh, joining me. Um, I, I guess the, uh, the, the first thing we should talk about is your show, The Rod Peterson Show. Let's, let's chat about that quickly. Um, you know, First of all, it's a two-hour show, uh, 10 a.m. Uh, Mountain Time, Monday to Friday. Where can people listen to it and watch it, first of all?
1: I uh, Always got time for you. It's on Facebook Live, for one. That's a video uh, stream of it digitally. And then you can listen at rodpeterson.com slash listen live. And it's, it's pretty cool because, you know, with us doing radio shows for years, that's been available globally for a long time. But the concept of doing a Facebook Live video show is pretty new and it's pretty radical. <laughs> and it's going pretty far fast like uh, as we chatted before we went there i'm in texas right now for the week and i've been watching the fill-in hosts of my show watching it down here in texas and enjoying the cfl talk and the nhl talk and stuff that you don't get we've had worldwide reaction to it and it's just kind of i know the industry people have sat back and broadcast executives just said where is this going what are they doing and I think we're at about 108, 109 shows right now. I think it's proven that we're not going away. Um, we have investors and financial backers that that's not a concern. And it's just been a hell of a lot of fun, a hell of a lot of fun every day.
0: Yeah, no kidding. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. I got, uh, you know, cutbacks finally caught up to me after 22 years in broadcasting, and I'm surprised – I made it that far, uh, especially as far as I did in TV before they started really uh, cutting the sports departments in TV. But anyway, I get let go at Bell Media and decided to get into podcasting. And the amount of people that reached out and said, this is the future, um, you know, mainstream uh, radio, where you are getting in out of your car, you know, it, it's going to be there. But this is a new wave of media. And. You know, it, it it's weird to say, but it might be a good time for me of to be of uh, affected by the cutbacks because I can launch into this just like how you are doing it. So it is a new age uh, than when you and I got into the business way back when.
1: Yeah, for sure, and uh, I think at mid forties, as we discussed <laughs> again before we went to the air here, we're not necessarily dinosaurs either, right? We got a lot of years of working left. I think in the in the world of podcasting, the listeners want it. When they want it. Yes. You know, live programming isn't quite what it used to be. How, you know, how many shows do you PBR? How much do you watch Netflix? Yeah. You know, it's changed. I think the biggest thing that bothered me when I left my role as Voice of the Writers after 20 years was anybody probably age 45 and over thought it was the death of me. And now it's a new show. They're upset that they can't just push a button and get me on TV or push a button and get me on the radio. Whereas anybody under the age of 30 has zero problems getting hold of my new show, like none being none. So what I tell people about older demographic is if you want to watch my show or listen to my show, here's how you do it. You have to put maybe a little extra. We might have to push two buttons rather than one, you know, but it's just it's for people getting their mind around where the business is going. And uh, and again, it's, it's, it's fun again for me, because in my time it had become not fun and it's fun again. So I'm, I'm hoping to do this show for a, like a good long time, 20 to 25 years. If they'll have me.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, the, when you mentioned about PVR, you know what I watch live sports, that's, that's pretty much it. That's the only thing I really watch live um, other than maybe a, a movie on one of the movie channels while I'm watching a hockey game or something like that if there's only one game. But you're right. Uh, people want it when they want it, uh, how they want it. They want to be able to pick and choose, and that's what this new medium does. And um, you know, for, for a long time, I would tell people, don't go into broadcasting because it doesn't it, the, the, there's not a future. And now I see a future for guys that want to just come straight out of broadcasting school and be independent right away. They don't have to work their way up uh, through um, you know the the small towns. well, not that there are a lot of small town TV stations or whatever anymore, but guys can come out of broadcasting school right now and start their own business if they want to. If they're talented enough, they'll get people that will watch them, that will listen to them, that will want to be a part of their show as advertisers.
1: Well, uh, you just said a talent's one. That's actually probably the number one thing. And number two is uh work ethic. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes. I you gotta stick to it, you gotta work hard. That that will never change. But it's uh you know, it's kind of taken the power out of the hands of broadcast executives, frankly. I like that, <laughs> for one. And for two, I mean you look at some of the singers that have been dis- that have been discovered on uh, YouTube or through various digital media. It's taken the power away from the record executives and the music industry executives. You know, so you have to be talented, but you have to work hard, and uh, you have to stick stick with it. And I think you and I have. And uh, you know, again, having fun again in the in the business because the business has changed. You're not allowed to say what you want to say. Or at least I wasn't able to the last few years. So it's this is you know, there's a lot of new freedom here. And it's not like, by the way, Dane, when we started the Facebook live show, people were like, are you going to drop F-bombs? Are you going right. to say this and that? No, I, I just can't bring myself to do that. That's never been me. Not like I, like, I swear like a trucker off the air, but on the air, I would never, I couldn't do it. So we're trying to deliver a, a I guess you would say traditional media show, in the new media age and it's, it's working. Like, again, I think we talked about it on your last show. It's a combination of David Letterman meets the view meets sports center. There's nothing like it anywhere right not in western canada or canada anyways and that's kind of what's taken people by storm
0: yeah hundred percent you know it's funny I, I used to be a big howard stern guy uh when he well still on satellite i don't listen to it as as much anymore um but when he went on there um he didn't go off and swear a lot but he let his guests do it and i, I had chris dingman on my show a while ago and he's like can i swear and i'm like Yeah, I guess you, you can, it was a little bit awkward for me just listening to it. And then Rod, I will tell (laughs) you the other day on my live show, which is an online, I did, I dropped my first F-bomb. I, it was a really weird feeling in, in over 22 years, I had never sworn on the air and I was a had a conversation with the guy who runs my station and, and it just came out and, and I stopped and then I thought, oh, I can I don't want to make it a habit, but it was, it was a really weird feeling that that happened to me uh, with a mic in front of me.
1: I know. Well, I've come close, and it hasn't happened. It it may, (laughs) but the thing is, it's not like you're going to lose your broadcast. Right, yes. And I I think that's what scared the the Jesus out of the CRTC, is that there are no lines, there are no rules in what we're doing now. And I'll go back to the fact that I'm in Texas watching my fill-in host do my show, probably better than I can host it. (laughs) And I just love the fact that I'm sitting in my hotel room or sitting at a mall watching my show on my phone. And, uh, and and when we started it, by the way, I had you know one of our sales guys said to me, why is nobody doing this yet anywhere on the continent? And I said, I, I don't know. Either we're stupid for trying this or it's groundbreaking. And it turned out to be somewhat groundbreaking because we've had some big-name sponsors jump on board, like Great Western Brewery. A new seat resale company, Seat Giant, you've probably heard of because they're all over Alberta. They sponsor they on my watch. show
0: as well. Seat Giant is a, is a part of the right. 12-ounce sports network, too. Yeah, great deals.
1: Right. Oh, unreal deals. Actually, I went to the Spurs and the Lakers on, with tickets through Seat Giant the other day. So they these are forward-thinking sponsors that, uh, frankly, the ones let, – let's just put it this way. It's, it's been a good marriage between ourselves and our sponsors moving forward.
0: Awesome. Rod Peterson is joining us uh, from the Rod Peterson Show. Um, All right, let's talk about the final week of the Canadian Football League season and the Riders come out first in the West. So they get a bye, they'll host the West final. How big was that um, uh, victory? Um, Not not in terms of beating the Eskimos, because I don't think the Eskimos are very good, but in terms of getting first place, how big was that this weekend in Regina? Was it just a, a, a party, uh, the the final, at the end of the game?
1: Well, I think there's probably four or five reasons you could point to why it was so big. From a strictly football operations standpoint, obviously the rest. You know, it, that, that's what they need. You know how beat up these guys are. I yeah. think the Riders won 11 consecutive weeks without a bye in between. They got their three bye weeks out of the way real early in the season. So they needed the break. Clearly, their team's only going to go as far as Cody Pajardo takes them. He's their team MVP, and frankly, he's the story of the CFL, certainly the West Division this season. And he missed that last game, you know, Dino, with the oblique strain. And so we still don't know how healthy he is. Clearly, a week off is going to help him. But if it's a significant injury, they're not winning a great cup. Uh, third reason is the fact that it's only the second West final hosted since 1976 wow. in Saskatchewan. In Edmonton and Calgary, you guys are used to it. In Saskatchewan, we're not. So that's huge. And then, you know, just checking social media, Facebook, Twitter, I see people commenting on the riders that I haven't, I haven't seen comment on the riders for like 10 years. So this brings the people out of the woodwork. The casual fans are now buying jerseys and and blah, blah, blah. They make the hype. This is where teams put money in the bank, right? With ticket sales and merchandise sales and all the rest. So that that would be the third and fourth reasons right there, and history. You know, my fifth reason would be for Craig Dickinson. Only five, only four other coaches have ever coached the Rodgers to first place. Team's been around 110 years. Team wow. four other guys. So Craig Dickinson is making history here in his rookie season as that coach, and obviously he's got Edmonton ties. He won a great Cup with the Eskimos in 2015. Not that your listeners are all just in Edmonton, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So they're putting they're putting their name on the ledger here writing their name in history for that. So if you ask how huge it was, I couldn't imagine anything bigger save for winning the Great Cup obviously.
0: For sure. And you know, this is the the West Final uh hosting the West Final has been Calgary territory for for years. So it's uh interesting to see somebody else there when you know, you you called this team for 20 years and and obviously there was some the, the ultimate successes. How do you compare this team to maybe teams of the past that you saw that had ultimate success
1: you know what's funny about that is it's not the most talented team and they wouldn't even be mad if they heard me say it because they've said that i think the most talented team there's ever been from the saskatchewan Roughriders. And keep in mind i'm a sass boy was the 2009 riders that actually finished first hosted the west final and then lost the great cup on the 13th man right if you go back and look at that roster, it was Darian Durant, Andy Fantuz, Rob Bag, Chris Getzlaff. It was built by Eric Tillman. It featured the Canadian Air Force, great Canadian receivers in Getzlaff Bag, And uh, who am I forgetting? Andy Fantuz. Uh, Stevie Baggs and John Chick on the defensive end spots. Uh, you know, Defensive Player of the Year was John Chick that year in the CFL. That was the best team I've ever seen in Ryder history. And they didn't even win a great count. So that tells you, why well, it was their own fault. But. This year's team isn't anywhere near the most talented, but they're playing for each other. There's a little bit of uh, magic with this team. They're obviously special, but for Craig Dickinson to do it in his first year is a pretty pretty miraculous story that kind of defies description.
0: So Saskatchewan waiting in the wings. Uh, Calgary and Winnipeg will do battle in the West Division uh, semifinal this Sunday. Um, I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback uh, in Winnipeg. Um, you know, I don't know if uh, Zach Caleros is a is an upgrade, if uh, uh, Strevler's going to be ready. Uh, I do know Andrew Harris can carry the ball. Does Winnipeg go as far in this game as Harris takes them?
1: You know what? They are and have been the most interesting team to follow all year. Obviously, if you're a CFL fan, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's been a carousel of quarterback positions for a variety of reasons. Andrew Harris sits out two games because of a steroid violation. And you got a head coach who reportedly turned down multiple contact extension offers and his deals up at the end of the year. And The rumor is that he's going to Toronto. And as of uh, Monday night, he denied that was even true. Sorry to take the long way around on your question here, Dean, but I think this team has a significant chip on its shoulder going into Calgary for the West fin- uh, semi-final for, for all these reasons. Um, yeah, obviously Andrew Harris will take them as far as they're going to go. He's the league's leading rusher, but he's ticked off, very ticked off. And, you know, he was denied winning most outstanding players, most outstanding Canadian by voters and the year-end awards because of the steroid violation. And I agreed with those voters, and then I had the, the bombers get a hold of me and pretty much tear me a new one for wow. my stance on that. Wow. she just, just told me, I know, which didn't bother me at all, but it just kind of gives you an idea where they're at. They're either really on edge and totally unraveling and not focused or extremely ticked off and wanting to prove the world wrong. <laughs> it's <laughs> one of those two. And we'll find out Sunday in Calgary.
0: What do you think of the stamps? Uh, you know, usually they're in the 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 bye this time of the year, uh, but they got to play Winnipeg. They are at home, and um, you know they they're Calgary just uh, missed out on finishing first. So, it, would you take the Stampeders in this game?
1: I've taken Winnipeg okay. in the game. Okay, uh, for the biggest reason is that Zach Calero should. He hasn't been named a starting quarterback yet, but he, Dean, has won three straight games over Calgary. And one was just two weeks ago in a must win game for the Stamps in Winnipeg. And Zach, you know, rallied the Bombers to a 29 28 win that day. So that was his first win as a Bomber. And then last season as a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, he beat Calgary twice. And you've been around sports a long time. Sometimes players, quarterbacks, just have another team's number. Yeah. And and Zach seems to be that guy with the Calgary Stampede. So I've taken Winnipeg. Now, having said that, Calgary's still the champions, or the defending champions, until somebody takes that crown away from them. I know they didn't finish in first, but they didn't have Bo Levi Mitchell for half the season either. Now they do. So, you know, they're healthy. They've had a lot of changes, blah, blah, blah. John Huffnagel and his son Cole, Cole's their head scout, have filled those holes adequately. Calgary's still the champs until... We have any reason to believe that they're not. So they're still the best team in the CFL. I've seen the power rankings this week. They were ranked number one. But anything can happen on any given Sunday. And I think for all those reasons that I mentioned, Winnipeg's Winnipeg's angry. Their quarterback has the Stamps number historically. I got Winnipeg in the upset.
0: All right. I like that. Uh, I would uh, would enjoy... Uh, seeing a Winnipeg, Saskatchewan <laughs> West Final man, that would be awesome. Uh, and then you look out east, you have the eight and ten Eskimos who just uh, nose dived uh, down the stretch against the ten and eight uh, Alouettes, who I think are better than than people give them credit for. You know, Hamilton ran away with that division. Montreal really didn't have a lot to play for. They weren't going to get caught by anybody. Um, And and when you talk about the the situation in Winnipeg with the coach, um, how about the situation in Edmonton with uh, Jason Moss coaching from a ledge, Rick Campbell now available uh, in Ottawa? It it almost seems like a fade to complete that Edmonton's going to lose this game and Rick Campbell's going to be the next coach of the Eskimos. What do you think of that?
1: Uh, Well, I see it coming just like you do. I think it's interesting that the uh, Eskimos, just in the last, month or so have brought on Marcel Belfay as a consultant, Hmm. longtime CFL coach out of Ottawa, which is kind of quietly done uh, that they did that. But I picked up on it and and I've been around enough teams and been in the business long enough that when the general manager brings in his buddy, just to observe things, (laughs) that's never a good sign. Right. So, you know, for the current coaches. So uh, Jason Mons got ripped neck to navel for not playing Trevor Harrison that last game of the year, but he did it and stuck to his guns. And I admire Jason Moss for that. I mean, all year long, he's been questioned at every turn. And I just say, listen, he's the coach. Let him coach. Let him do what he thinks is best. So they were in a tough division team, very tough division. They qualified for the playoffs after missing last year. And they're going to Montreal to take on, you know, what seems like a team of destiny or the Cinderella team. For sure, they're the Cinderella team of the CFL this season. I don't see them winning it. But Jason did everything that he could to get his team ready, you know, resting Trevor Harris and all the rest. If he wins, good for him. I, I've had Edmonton tell me that the has to get to the great cap yeah. to save his job. Those are a lot of ladders, runs on the ladder to climb, you know, to get, to get up there. And, and I don't think they're going to get past Montreal. So I think he'll be fired. It's an underachieving team. If you look at the numbers and look at the talent, they should be better than they are. So I think Moz is gone. But to say it's gonna be Rick Campbell, yeah, all signs point that way. But the GM did bring his buddy in too, uh, Marcel Belfe. So I wouldn't quite you know, read the rock. the what you think of the last right to Jason Mars just yet. Let's see how Sunday turns out.
0: For sure. And then um, you know, we talked about Saskatchewan waiting. Hamilton is waiting, um, you know, it, this is a, a a bit of a surprise, uh, I think, for some people too. But uh, you know, what do you think? What do you like of the strengths of the Hamilton Tiger Cats? And um, you know, are, are they finished first overall in the league? Does that mean they are the favorite to win the Grey Cup?
1: Well, that's a story that's got a lot of layers to it, uh, Dean. I mean, yeah, fifteen and three is remarkable. For that reason, Orlando Steinle probably should win the Coach of the Year. Sure, running away, yeah you know, tied the most wins ever by a rookie head coach, yet nobody's saying he's going to be coach of the year. People are saying it's going to come down to Craig Dickinson versus Kahari Jones and let the voters decide. Nobody's even mentioning Steinauer. So, A, that's weird. B, if there was a GM award of the year in the CFL, which there should be and there isn't, who would you give it to with Hamilton? Who would you give it to? Um, It's a rhetorical question. I'm not asking you to answer it. Nobody knows what their GM is. Yeah, Eric Tillman built built the team and he's now gone. So they've got two GMs there and Sean Burke and drew Alleman, who nobody knows you couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Huh. They're the GM of the Hamilton Tiger cats. that Eric Tillman built them. So please tell me how that works. And you know, the rumor in CFL circles is that Tillman left the Tie cats to sign with the Atlantic schooners. And then the schooners owners yanked the job offer away. That's the rumor. That's another story. That's another layer. You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, there are, and then the third layer is they're in the weakest division in the CFL with Ottawa and Toronto in it that have a combined, what, five, six wins between the two of them? Yeah. So they padded the win total with crappy teams. I'm not sure I buy that, but that's what the naysayers are saying out there. So I think the main thing is Hamilton might be a mirage, I guess, is the, is the thing. I still think they're going to win the East, but I don't think they're going to win the Grey Cup. But who knows? Who, has any idea at this time of year?
0: All right. Well, give me your best guess on uh, what is going to happen at McMahon Stadium in a couple of Sundays.
1: Then, <laughs> well, I'm going to go back on my myself here. Uh, I think Hamilton's going to get to the Grey Cup, and I I think they probably will win it because they they believe in themselves, and I think that the way I'm looking at it, Winnipeg's going to knock off Calgary come into Saskatchewan and I don't think Saskatchewan will lose at home to Winnipeg. So Saskatchewan Hamilton breaks up with the Ticats winning. That's my prediction.
0: All right. Um, you mentioned you're in Texas. Let's talk a little hockey. And, And first of all, didn't you think the Dallas stars would be better this year? You're in Texas. Uh, I'm not sure in, in Cowboys, uh, uh, area and, and the Houston Astros just being in the World Series, how much ink the Dallas Stars are getting, but 7-8-1 uh, is not how I figure them. I had them getting back into the playoffs this year. Are you surprised by the Dallas Stars?
1: Um, yes and no. I mean, I look at the talent that they've acquired over the last couple of years, everybody's been picking Dallas to be a lot better than they are, and even last year, they should have been better. Like, what did they do in the playoffs? Nothing. Um, So, my dad worked for the Stars, by the way, Dean, for 26 years. Cool, so I got a pretty good idea of what goes on inside and outside that organization. and to answer your question, by the way, I am in Round Rock, Texas, which isn't far from Austin. There's no talk about the Dallas stars, yeah whatsoever here by the way just so you know That's There's where huge in dallas no, yeah
0: that's where the the uh, Edmonton trappers ended up.
1: Oh, is that right? Yeah, and okay. Nolan, Nolan, Nolan Ryan, that.
0: Nolan Ryan bought them and took them to the Round Rock. Yeah.
1: Okay, I'm not so big on my AAA baseball, <laughs> boy. I apologize for that. But I just, I honestly think that the Dallas Stars have a lot of problems internally, a lot of problems within their dressing room, and I just got a tip on that uh, within the last week to ten days. So I don't, I don't anticipate them pulling out of this either, By the way, uh, the Boston Bruins got a lot better once they got rid of Todd Seguin. That's all I'll
0: say on that. Hmm, that's interesting. and see I I just put this poll question up the other day. It's coming up on the 10 year anniversary of Taylor versus Tyler and I was a second guy then, <laughs> and I still would be a second guy. I think Hall's really good. Uh, but I was a second guy back then, the the center aspect, but uh, you're right, there's uh, there hasn't been a lot of success for him or the team in Dallas since he's arrived there. so you know there could be something to that for sure.
1: Well, he's a legitimate NHL superstar talent-wise, but where, where is he? Where is he in scoring? Where is he in playoff heroics? Where is he in year-end award voting? Nowhere. Mm, interesting. So, you know, do, do the math.
0: All right. How about the math when it comes to the Edmonton Oilers? And, uh, you know, they had a bit of a swoon, and – but now they're getting uh, a little bit of extra scoring. Obviously last night they didn't get enough, but one of the goals was one of those uh, where were you moments when McDavid did this and you know how amazing how fun is it to to watch the Oilers right now and and not Going into every game thinking, oh, they're going to get scored on in the first shot, although they did last night. But you know what I mean. <laughs> this this Oilers team is, uh, at least for the first month and a bit, giving Edmonton fans a reprieve from the garbage that we've seen. And, and, Rod, I did the post-game show for four years. It was hot garbage a lot of nights.
1: There is no worse job in this industry than being the call-in show for a bad team. Yeah. The call-in show host for a bad team. There There isn't. Because I've done it all. And that's the worst. So I'll just put that out there. But I win or lose this year, the orders are fun to watch. I think we would all agree on that, right? Yes. Um. So so there's that. And I, you know, Conor McDavid is the best player in the league. I think the one thing, you know, living in Saskatchewan, I call it the Bermuda Triangle of the NHL, because we're smack dab in the middle of Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Calgary. Wow. And there are no more passionate fans of those three teams then the Edmonton Orders, I would suggest are the most passionate fans in the league, and that includes Toronto. Um, having said that, that comes with a price, too, and that is every single shift is endlessly diagnosed by the fans and analyzed, and that doesn't mean that they're right. But through an 82-game schedule, the Orders raced out to, what were they, 7-1 and one at one time? Yeah, they were red hot. And, right, and then they've gone into a bit of a swoon here. They'll pull out of it. But it's 82 games, Dean. But so when you sit and endlessly dissect every single play, I and mean, then it becomes a little, not, not monot- monotonous, but maybe tedious. You know, I think people put too much thought into it. Um, under Dave Tippett and Ken Holland, they have injected some stability. But I also, it's just far too early to make any conclusions on this team, because I grew up an order fan, and when my dad signed with the Stars, I was, the, you know, cheered for them for 26 years. Now I'm back. But, I've watched them very closely. There was a spike under Todd McClellan, and then they went back to their old ways. There was a spike under Ken Hitchcock, and then they went back to their own ways. It may still happen under Dave Tippett and Ken Holland. I don't think that it will, but for anybody to predict whether it will or not is impossible. There's been a bad culture in Edmonton for a real long time. And, you know, there's a feeling in hockey as to why the culture is so bad in Edmonton, but I'm not close enough to even repeat it or answer that question myself, but it's, you know, just kind of sit back and enjoy the ride. If you can, I mean, I know it's very difficult in Edmonton, but like I said, win or lose, they're entertaining. It reminds me, by the way, of sitting in Austin, Texas and Brown Rock, Texas, is a suburb of Austin team, their team are the Texas Longhorns, college uh, football. Yeah. And, and how many home games a year do they have? Five, six, seven at the most. Out of 365 days, and all they talk about are the Longhorns. Oh, at yeah. least you've got 82 games to dissect there. in And down here, it's like, oh, my God. You're talking about a college football team that hardly ever plays. Oh, my God. So I'm not saying just be happy you have a team, but I'm saying enjoy the ride with Edmonton because at least, uh, I, you know, they're going to be good. I think we, on our show last week, we had a bunch of other fan pundits on and or you know pundits slash order observers and we all said that a playoff berth would be satisfactory here in year one of this new regime and that's how I feel home ice in round one whether you win it or not is immaterial right now just get to the playoffs and I think uh, they're on that track
0: well yeah for sure I I had them finishing ninth tenth so anything above that is uh Right. Is, is a victory and and you know like Connor McDavid is the best player on the planet but Leon Dreisaitl might win the heart trophy this year who knows the way he is playing in, in the first month uh, obviously Pasternak has something to say about that and Brad Marchand's five point night last night helps out but Leon Dreisaitl for a guy that came out of Prince Albert as a passer uh, scores 50 goals last year and uh, just you know for a guy who was a quote slow starter has just busted out of the blocks and he was gr- he was great last year. He's taking his game to superstar level, and and the comparisons now can be made of the two players anyway with the Pittsburgh Penguins: Crosby, Malkin, McDavid, Drysital. At least on uh, with those four players, the Oilers are, are on par or have succeeded the the two guys in Penguins right now. Not in career, obviously, but. The Oilers have those two pillars, and it's we all know McDavid, and the goalie scored last night was brilliant. But McDrysaitel this year has been so fun to watch.
1: Yeah, and actually, I had the George Larocque on my show recently. He compared those two to Zetterberg, Datsuk. Hmm. Okay. You know, in the in the Red Wings heyday, for even a more recent pairing. Now you can't just have two, as yes. you know. You know, because they've had them <laughs> those two for a while, and they haven't. Done. Squad as a team, but no, it, it is a great place to start. Um, but you got to have you got to have role players. You got to have secondary scoring, and I know that you talk about it all the time because I follow what you do. But you need to have quality goaltending, and I think they have that in Mike Smith. I don't think Nico Koskinen is an NHL goaltender, and I'll go to my grave believing that until I see otherwise. And I've seen nothing yet that would uh, prove otherwise to me. The one thing is, I'd like to see James Neal on that line all the time with McDavid and Dreisaitl. I would. I, I don't know your take on that, but James Neal is a finisher, and if Dreisaitl is a setup guy, which he is, and McDavid can do it all, that should be all that you need. You are not shutting down that line. I don't care who you're matched up against. Nobody's shutting them down. That's what I'd like to see. Flirting with Zach Kassian on that line makes no sense to me, but... Dave Tippett's coached a few more NHL games than me, so yeah. I'll just sit back and shut up.
0: I the reason I like Neil on that line is it gives Ryan Nugent Hopkins somebody to to set up, and and Ryan Nugent Hopkins is you know he's. He's not McDavid, but he's still got good vision, and he's never had uh, good line mates. Uh, so that's why I, you know, Cassian on that line, he's really cooled off. Uh, if he goes out and throws a couple of hits, uh, you know, that you know he's going to get one bounce off his ass. So that's the reason I would want Neil with Nugent Hopkins, but you're right, Dave Tippett uh, knows a, a thing or two uh, about coaching um, compared to us, but you know what, at least they have a top four of a top six, as, as last year, they only had a top three, like Alex chase on played with McDavid and dry saddle last night. He's not like this guy. This guy caught fire with McDavid last year and turned it into a two year, two plus million dollar deal. He's not a top six player. Sam Gagne was there a little bit there last night. He, I don't think he's a a full-time top six player. I think the two, the two wing spots on the McDavid line and the Nugent Hopkins are going to be carrots dangled for guys this whole year. And it's going to be a revolving door of, of two different guys every once in a while. Which
1: is fine. Which is fine. It keeps it keeps the players hungry and you know there is a salary cap thing i mean uh you, you often wonder how much money weighs into this and at the end of the day you know that it's pretty much always money yeah so uh you know again sit back and enjoy where they are they're fun to watch hard to believe they would lose to the coyotes but it seems like the coyotes always have the letters number and i don't think the coyotes are going to pick the playoffs this year either sorry
0: and Coyotes 8-2 and two in their last 10 after that uh, victory last night. All right, I wanted to chat with you about uh, your journey uh, to sobriety as well. And, um, you know, I really love that you are open about this. When I was on the radio, um, there was a day, um, you know, I had a breakdown when I was in TV. I was gone for uh, several months. I didn't talk about it because it was mental illness and I was scared what people were going to think. Then I got back on the radio one day it was Robin Williams when he had committed suicide. I started talking about it, my openness and the floodgates open and, and then I just, start, I kept talking about it and kept talking about it and kept getting response from people. And it was helping me, um, tell me about your journey uh, to sobriety, um, you know, and, and being open about it and, and how it's kind of changed your life.
1: Thanks for the opportunity, Dean. And one thing I love about the recovery world is uh, I get to the bottom of it real fast. So so I will here. I faced an intervention on January 27th, 2015, and that is get help for your drinking or you're losing your career, you're losing your family, you're losing everything. So I chose Doré, and that was getting into recovery because I was tired of fighting. I thought there had to be a better life than what I was living. Uh, suffering from an uh, addiction to alcohol. And it wasn't until you're right, it's funny you say a journey because it is a journey. And it was about four or five months into sobriety where I kind of came out of that alcoholic fog. It usually takes 90 days and kind of realized I got a lot of other things going on upstairs that have nothing to do with boots. And that's when I started. And it was through reading Clint Millarchuk's book, by the way. Huh his openness in battling with mental illness that I realized, oh, my God, his story is my story. And I fortunately got to be good friends with Clinton Chuck through this journey and, uh, to, to again, cut to the chase of it. I got five severe mental illnesses, Dean, and they are um, anxiety disorder, depression, um, attention deficit disorder, and obsessive compulsive disorder, and addiction. So there's five, and they call I call them the Fab Five. They're called severe mental illnesses because they will never go away, right. ever. Right. But my, my life's good now because I know how to manage all of these things. You know, in, in you know the, how you manage them in the past. The out the road out is a completely different interview and a completely different topic. But I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what my issues are on a daily basis. I know how to fight them and attack them. And the crappy thing about depression and anxiety is, you know, it comes up and grabs you by the ankle, bites your ankle out of nowhere, bites you out of nowhere. Yeah. You never know when it's coming.
0: hundred percent. You know, it's like
1: a, a, truck, a truck coming from another direction in your blind spot and hitting you. You don't know it's coming until you're in it. That is scary as hell. But, you know... Life's great now, and you talk about being open about it. I did not want to get open about it at all. I never thought about being open with it. Me too. Yeah. Too busy. Well, I was just too busy trying to get like riding a tiger every day, man. (laughs) Like I had enough to worry about keeping my own act together, let alone helping others. Then I just got asked to share at a recovery luncheon and tell my story, and I went back and forth on whether I even should do that. But my counselor said, "Yeah, I think you should." addiction counselor and i did and then the floodgates opened like you said and it was it it was every day is a new battle like i would i would mention that yeah i was an alcoholic but people were contacting me from all over north america with issues that had nothing to do with alcoholism i've got this issue i've got that issue strangers asking for my help and i'm like i know nothing about what you're battling but i when you've got well, and now I'm coaching, I think, you know, recovery coaching athletes and entertainers right? and a few soldiers in the military. When you got somebody in front of you that's trembling and scared and doesn't know where to turn, you, you're not human if you don't want to help them. So I had to go get education, which I have now with a diploma as an addiction treatment specialist that trained interventionist. I got that at Times Square in New York by the top interventionist in America. And I've got trauma, grief, and stress management training as well because I just, I got to help people. I don't have a choice. So we started just talking about broadcasting. That to me is fun. I do believe I was born to do it. There's some talent there. But as far as helping other people now, this is what I'd rather do. And I could go do it 100% of my time, and it would never be enough because there's that much of a need out there. And it feels 100 times better than broadcasting ever did
0: It's so it's, it it really is amazing. And listen, um, I, I was open about my situation and I, and I still struggle every day, but the more you talk about it, um, the more you make somebody else feel comfortable. I think talking about it, whether it's a, uh, you know, uh, mental health or addiction. Um, there's stigmas with these things and, 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 you know, with, with a lot of stigma, it takes time to kind of beat it down. Um, the one thing before we got on the air, you mentioned is that you've actually received some negative blowback about this, which I don't get, uh, you know, I had people taking paw shots at me through text messages when I was on the radio about, yeah, you, you should have went and killed yourself and this and that. And I just realized you, you have something wrong in your life if you're saying that to people, <laughs> but how yeah. I, I don't get why people would be upset at you helping people. Does that, does that just kind of not sit right?
1: Uh, it, I don't understand it, but that doesn't change the fact that it still happens. I mean, I've had people in the recovery industry that have said to me, how come you get to go on television and talk about this? How come you get invited to the premier's office or the minister of health office? I've been doing this for 30 years, never been invited anywhere. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know. Should I say no? Should I turn down these invitations? I don't know why they're asking me. You know, it's one thing about being open (laughs) to the universe and so forth. If somebody invites you, you should go. If somebody opens the door for you, you should walk through it. I used to always turn down these invitations. I can't imagine the things that I turned down for 25 years before I realized who I was and what opportunities were actually presenting themselves, but I was too stupid to acknowledge them or accept them. So when people do get in my face in the recovery world and ask, how come you're getting all these opportunities? I say, yeah. Should I say no? I thought we all got into this to help others. Exactly. And they shut up. They shut up pretty quick. So there's that. And then two, I get those text messages too. You should have killed yourself. Or why should I listen to you? You've already admitted you're crazy. These are from people that listen to my shows. And I just laugh. There's, if you go and do a Twitter search on Rod Peterson, like 10 to 15 parody accounts will come up. Wow. Right now, with people, there's one, well, I don't even want to acknowledge the guy, but they refer to my drinking. And I just laugh. I haven't looked at it for several days. Uh, going on weeks actually but just making fun of my past and it what it does i thank the guy because i don't go back i don't go back drinking i don't fall victim to the perils of the mental issues that i have because everybody's watching me so it actually keeps me in the straight and narrow and why it's you know why i've gone into the business of helping public people that battle addictions and mental health is because the first counselor that I had, as much as he did help and steer me in the right direction, he had no idea what it was like to be a public person. And when I we would stand up in his office and F you at each other and scream at each other because I'd say, you don't know what it's like to right. walk into a bar and have the whole bar looking at you. Yeah, exactly. expecting you to drink because you're the party guy. And then all of a sudden you go open with your sobriety and you walk into that same bar to host a show or... Talk on stage and have everybody again looking at you, knowing you're not supposed to be drinking. Right. Everybody there knows. It's an incredible amount of pressure, or at least it was at the time. And I'm four and a half years sober, January and March, five years. I laugh at that pressure now. But I know when you're really early on in it, you're like Bambi trying to stand up on ice yeah. and you're slipping and sliding and falling down. It's hard. So it's just being that rock, being that I wear it as a badge of honor. You always know that anybody can reach out at any time, 24-7, text, call, Rod's always going to be sober. Rod will always take your call or text. That is something that I'm very proud of, very, very proud of. Oh,
0: that's uh, that's amazing. Uh, but you're right. The media industry, it's not like there isn't booze everywhere at different events or parties or, as you mentioned, it, you're in Regina, you know when i was in global regina i was only there for 10 months but i would walk into certain bubs and people would be like hey i want to buy the tv guy a beer and this and that it's it's a there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of that in the media and you're traveling and different things like um it, it's very easy so uh i'm 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 so proud that you are where you are and continually helping people because yeah if you didn't take those invitations you're not you're not moving the needle forward to get every, more people help. So, um, th- you know, that's, that's unfortunate that there has been blowback, but the positivity that you've experienced must outweigh that by a lot.
1: Oh, I don't even, it's a hundred to one. Yeah. I don't even think about that stuff anymore. And it, it's all, it's all in your mindset. It's all about perspective. Are you going to focus on the one person that's being a jerk? Or yeah. Are you going to be grateful for the hundred people that you've helped? You know, That's yeah. all how, how are you gonna spend your time between your own years? I mean, I work with mental strength coaches across the continent and to be honest, sports and recovery the concepts are almost identical. The whole concept of one day at a time, which I'm looking at at the bracelet on my wrist right now that says one day at a time is very similar to the football coach. It says one play at a time. Right. Or the goalie. The goalie that's only focusing on one shift at a time. It's all the same. It is all the same. And that's why I've gotten to be such good friends. You know, it's taken me a lot further in this, in my career, is getting sober, being somebody that people look up to rather than somebody that people don't want to have around. Because you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what he's going to say. Is he going to get drunk and embarrass you? This is a hundred times better life. Yeah. You, you know, know so, I, I'm, yeah.
0: I'm that guy that, uh, unfortunately, and this is one of the things I struggle with, is I can get 10, 15 compliments about something. I get one negative and and my mind goes to that and and that's something like you said you got to work on and that's through therapy yeah. with my psychiatrist that I work through and you know uh you know being able to do it once and then okay i did it once let's rely on that and repeating that positive behavior so there is a lot to it and like, like for a long time i ignored my diet i was diagnosed with depression and i ignored it that i was that macho guy that was like i'm not depressed i'm just whatever you know i'll just do this and you know i masked it with whatever and and you know uh, didn't let people know about it and uh, man you know, uh, here I am six years later from my diagnosis and, you know, I'm not out of the woods, but I feel a whole lot better. So it is all in, uh, and, in, in, work. And like we talked about in broadcasting work ethic, you're needed and and you need to work on yourself as well to get better mentally with, with whatever it's, you know, it's no different than going to the gym five days a week. You got to work on yourself to get better.
1: Well, it's actually exactly the same, to be honest. And, uh. My mind's racing as you talk. I mean, we talk about just go back for a second about being open about it. Mike Riley came out this season and talked about the fact that he was dealing with anxiety, yes. and I don't think it was anxiety disorder, which is anxiety disorders when you get worried for no reason, <laughs> you yeah. display the symptoms of worry, but you don't know why you are. You break down, crying. I mean, that's what I had before, and I thought with Mike, I mean, good for you for doing that because when you do go open about your struggles there's no going back Not, that's right. yeah right so when I'm coaching somebody now with mental health or addictions and they're trying you know they're getting sober and they kind of flip-flop on their mind should I go public about it I said what well, once you do there's no going back because as soon as somebody Googles Mike Lally what's one of the top things gonna come up mm-hmm. oh he's battling that's what's gonna come up so I that's something that I don't casual I don't address very flippantly i tell my guys and in some cases girls uh only you can make that decision it was the best decision too i'm sure there's some teams and networks that are going we can't touch Rod peterson because he's got these issues he's a recovering alcoholic hmm. and i i laugh and say so what about the people you employ that you don't know yeah what they do when they go home like my good friend Lonnie Lieberman, you remember that yes, name, Dean? you're yes, old enough Yes He's, he has a saying better, better to be hated for what you are than loved for what you're not. Huh. And I think about that all the time. It's like if people think that I'm toxic or unpredictable or volatile, I laugh. I've never been more together. I've never been happier than I am right now. It was when I was, you know on the air for years, struggling, paddling underneath the surface. Like furious to keep up this act. That's not the case anymore, right? So all all that matters is uh, that I'm happy, my family's happy, my business partners are happy, and I still get opportunities like coming on your show. And that I don't feel like I've lost anything. But again, that's just me. I don't tell anybody yeah. to follow that path unless unless they really want to.
0: Yeah, everybody's got to be ready for that. And and it's so great yeah. that you know you do, you you haven't lost anything because it proves that you know you didn't need. Uh, alcohol to be uh, a great play by play guy or a great, great radio host or a great author. Uh, let, you you wrote a book as well, Heart and Soul of the SJHL. And, you know, you grew up on the SGHL. How fun was it to, to write that book?
1: Well, that was great. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I wrote a book on the Riders' Great Cup win That's in right, 2008. Yeah. Uh, it was called Green Magic. So they're both, uh, well, that one was a bestseller. The SJHL best one's coming close. And it was great because I. Somebody said to me, how was it to travel to all these rinks in the SJ to put this book together? And I said, I grew up in those rinks. Yeah. You know, I'd been there before. And I, one thing that kind of bothered me is with my 20 years in the CFL, people forgot that I was a hockey guy first. That's my mother tongue, you know? So when I left the riders, people thought, oh, he's going to wither up and die. He can't survive without the rough riders. So it was a real, you know, to prove people wrong, for one. and. Uh, it just was nice. I mean, I feel more at home even with hockey people. So, yeah, it was. It's a great feeling of satisfaction. I think when you, when a when an architect or a construction guy drives by a huge beautiful building and says, "I designed that," it's similar to walking past a bookshelf and chapters and go, "I wrote that." It's a nice feeling.
0: I like it. Uh, okay, let's finish with. Talking about you, you were the voice of uh, the Regina Pats uh, for many years as well. You were also in uh, PA, um, but let's focus on the Regina Pat. uh, Your favorite Regina Pat of all time.
1: Jordan Everly. Okay. I don't need to think twice about it. And the reason being is he came up and I kind of referred to him as the old school player, the way the players used to be when I first started in the league. And that was, what can I do to help the team? rather than the players, most of them coming in now and saying, what can the team do to help me? Yeah, yeah. Or, I'm, I'm going I'm going to the NHL. Don't screw this up for me. <laughs> That's the attitude of most of the players now. Whereas with Jordan, it wasn't. He was always so humble, always so grounded. Um, I wouldn't say I lost touch with him when he got to Edmonton. I mean, I still was at his charity golf tournament. I know if I text him right now, he'd text me back, but we're not as close as we used to be. Life happens right? But I know that kid that he was growing up and I just respect him so much for staying true to who he is.
0: All right. I'm going to throw, I'm going to go. My favorite uh, Regina, Pat is Barrett Jackman. I loved how
1: tough that guy was.
0: And especially the, the 2001 Memorial cup where the, you know, he was such a a, a key on that team uh, for toughness. I, I love Barrett Jackman and another good guy to talk to as well.
1: Well, if I may, I just remember a meeting in the Town and Country Hotel in Cranbrook, and why I was in the meeting I have no idea, but Rich Preston was the coach of the Pats at the time, and Barrett was there with his mother Mary Jane, they're from Trail Fruitvale BC, just outside Trail, and here's me just the donkey radio guy sitting in the meeting. I don't know why I was, but I'll never forget Rich Preston saying to Mary Jane, "We'll take care of your son." And Barrett at that time was only 15. Right. Came to the Pats at at sixteen, full time, and Rich was true to his work. He took care of him. He was a first-round pick of the St. Louis Blues, captain the Pats, went on to win a Calder Trophy as rookie of the year in the NHL, and just had a just a tremendous career for a long time. paired with Al McGinnis, and it just made me so proud to be part of junior hockey and realize what you did for young men at the junior hockey level so important. And I loved it so much in that time. It's over, but I. Uh, Certainly
0: made the most of it when I was there. For sure. Uh, Rod, this has been a real pleasure um, and an, an important conversation. I really appreciate uh, that you are. Um, uh, first of all, I appreciate that you're open about your journey and I appreciate that you're opinionated about sports because too many guys sit on the goddamn fence and get splinters uh, these days. So you're not afraid to say uh, what you uh, feel. And, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, the Rod Peterson Show, 10 a.m. till noon. You can get it on Facebook Live, on YouTube. You can get it at rodpeterson, uh, dot com. Thanks, as always, my friend, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Texas.
1: Gene, thank you so much. Let's talk soon, and hopefully you can get on my show to talk Oilers and Eskimos.
0: What do you say? This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. Got nothing to drink. how do you smile? I uh, can't wait to uh, be a guest on the Rod Peterson show. What a great conversation. Uh, not only did he have some amazing tidbits about the Canadian Football League and the future of some coaches, uh, but open and honest about his uh, his addiction uh, to alcohol and uh, how he is conquering that. And, um, uh, you know, good discussion about mental illness as well. So make sure you check out The Rod Peterson Show. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, rodpetersonshow.com, on Facebook, on YouTube. Um, it's uh, all over the place. It's a wonderful show. And he's right, it is needed uh, in Western Canada where all we get in the morning is loops. So it's a good national-based show. So if you were paying attention, you could be winning a gift card from Acme Meat Market. Go say hi to Corey, Amanda, their wonderful staff in the Ritchie Market in Edmonton, 9570 76th Avenue. Check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca and know that when you get something from Corey the Butcher, that's a Twitter handle, you're getting it from one of Canada's top butchers as he's a member of Team Canada for the World Butcher Challenge in 2020 of September. So who is Rod's favorite Regina Pat of all time? He mentioned it in, in the interview, if you know, email the answer to sports and more pod at gmail.com that's sports and more at gmail.com. And you could uh, be winning yourself some delicious grub from Acme meat market. That's going to wrap things up for us here on sports and more the podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. I look forward to uh, chatting with you again next week and seeing who we'll be interviewing in this time slot at that point. Have yourself a wonderful week. Playtime is over.